hey, guess what? Selling is hard. If you're selling stuff, you're probably going to have to overcome challenges, make a good first impression, build some good rapport, and win the hearts and minds of the people you're hoping to serve. Some people love the game. Others hate it with a passion. Wherever you are on the spectrum of sales, though, there's no avoiding it. You're going to have to do sales in one way or another at some point in your career. So how do you go about staying focused on your big goals, your most active deals? And how do you stay motivated to achieve amazing things? Well, my guest today helps people in medical technology and healthcare and other industries to do all those things. I'm chatting with Leanne Elich, and in this episode, we'll hear about her transition from clinical roles to industry, science, and then sales. We'll also talk about the science of sales and explore a very cool framework she's developed called the periodic table of sales. And we'll also talk about a lot of other stuff too. So look, when I say the word sales, and if your first reaction is, look, then this episode's for you. Sales isn't a dirty word, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Leanne Elich. She's a psychology-driven business strategist, a passionate oncology advocate, and global healthcare specialist with over 25 years of experience in both clinical and corporate environments. She's the creator of the Business Mastermind Program and the successful Periodic Table of Sales. Leanne's using her established methodologies to teach businesses how to think differently, create value, and set a pathway for industry leadership. For over 20 years, she's studied and observed the psychology of human behavior, influence, and persuasion in sales. Leanne, how are you? I'm fabulous. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Great to connect. And it's going to be fun to explore everything about sales and all the other stuff too that we'll talk about. So thanks for making the time. Let's get into it and set the scene. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, please. Sure. I mean, have had a, quite an unconventional career, which is good. It's been delightful and very mind-blowing, really, and opening. I started out in oncology. So my background is a radiation oncologist. I worked in Sydney at the Prince of Wales Hospital and Liverpool Cancer Centre. And for about 10 years, I was clinical. I did a lot of work and, and a lot of specialty work with paediatrics. So up to you know, newborns to 18 years, which I absolutely loved. A lot of people say, oh, it would have been really sad, which it, it was, but the kids are just gorgeous and helping them and their families and their support network for me is really important. I always wanted to get into some kind of medicine from a very, very young age, very young age. And over time, so over those, you know, about 10 years, I was slightly frustrated just with the technology we had here. We had great technology and we were really good at delivering radiation, delivering treatment and chemotherapy. It's not just radiotherapy, but it's also chemotherapy to patients, both children and adults. But reading and being exposed to so many articles and so many publications and seeing what was available globally, we just could not get our hands on it. And by chance, I got headhunted by a medical devices company. and. Out of sheer horror for most of my colleagues, I decided to take up the position because for me, it was 
I can extend so much more and do so much more for others, not just my own patients and patients that I was seeing, but yeah, just on a much larger scale. So that's how I moved into industry and moved into tech, so to speak, and health tech. And I worked on a lot of new technologies and global pathways of bringing those technologies to Australasia. Also worked a lot in Asia Pacific. And that's where I started the business side of things, which has got me where I am today. What a fascinating pathway of different twists and turns, all tied broadly to healthcare. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing right now. So now, after about almost 20 years being in industry and being commercial, which I absolutely loved, and the networking and business relationships and friendships I have developed have been amazing, I decided that the methodologies and the frameworks that I've used in terms of sales and strategy, and it quite a complex environment with medtech and health tech when it comes to sales and operations because the environment itself, the business environment itself is complex, let alone sales. And most of us go into sales not realizing what we're stepping into, you know, that dark side. And like you said, one minute we're not selling, the next minute we're asked to sell. It's how did I get myself in this position? What people need to understand is that we're selling all the time. It doesn't have to be a transfer of money. It can be knowledge and value. And I saw this at, on a much larger scale. So doing what I love and doing what I have previously done, making lots of businesses very successful, I decided to expand that into my own business and that's when I created it and built up my own consulting and advisory firm to use those exact methodologies. But I've expanded a lot more and into a lot of personality, AI, artificial intelligence, a lot of virtual selling and techniques that help the non-seller sell really successfully and taking the salesy out of sales. I know a lot of people who've gone through those different transitions from clinical gigs into whether it's corporate or into even from different corporate roles, from operations to sales. The transition in a career is always a tough one and people are always exploring how they can go about effectively or get some advice from others. Since you've done a few transitions in your time, do you have advice for people that are going through these types of transitions, whether it's from clinical to industry to onto science or sales or anything like that? Yeah, look, I just research, do a lot of research and look up what you can and, and try and get an understanding and a little bit of confidence about where you want to go and what you want to do. But also don't let the uncertainty, especially of business or sales or the commercial world, stop you from doing what you want to do. My knowledge, so my clinical knowledge expanded extraordinarily, stepping into industry because I had access to so much more than what I had when I was in a particular hospital, limited to the tools that I had available there. So people need to understand that each job that they are in is not a determination of their identity. There is so much more to learn. You use your skills and experience in one certain role and translate that into another role. And you know, if you've got that optimism and that ambition and that drive, there is so much that you can achieve. And there's a lot more opportunity, I feel, in that transition than staying in the same industry. Plus, you don't want to get stale. You want to freshen up and you want to mentally stimulate yourself and challenge yourself as well. And that transition is full of all that goodness. 
And I find too, because I've gone through a few career transitions myself, you find that motivation and inspiration once you realize that you can still be yourself, even though you're in different roles. So bringing through your personality and your uniqueness, as you mentioned, is pretty critical. 100%. And that's exactly what I was saying about don't let your job identify who you are. You are an important person. You have the knowledge, you have the value and their translatable skills across different areas of the industry, whether it's clinical, whether it's corporate, whether it's commercial, whether it's research, you yourself have those dynamic skills that you can transfer across. And a lot of people think that they are identified as their job and that's not right. And I think when you get out of that mindset, there's just so much opportunity. Uh, Very cool. And so we're talking about sales before, and that's how we've set the scene for this episode. From my experience, sales is a pretty messy process, if you let it be. What's your approach to sales? Pete, I love that because it is, it can be a big mess. It really can. And that's also because there's a lot of people in sales that haven't been trained. But then when I say trained in sales, what kind of training do you get? Because especially in med tech and health tech, we're not selling chickens to coals. You know, we're, we're selling very technical equipment, scientific equipment to technical and scientific people, extremely intelligent people. So those skills as a salesperson are very hard. And it is tricky for someone to step into that immediately and be a sales superstar. So because of that, we get ourselves in a mess. We get the sales process in a mess. We get our own selves in a mess. We get the business side of operations in a mess. And that's mainly due to lack of structure. So one thing I have found, especially in medical sales and tech sales and anything in healthcare is there has to be a framework and there has to be a structure, but not just a playlist or a script that you follow from the beginning to the end. There is a lot of personality. There's a lot of understanding your customer, understanding communication, understanding why you're selling, what you're selling, and the customer identifying with that. So this is why I developed this process and this framework that it's not just about getting a product, putting a value proposition together, saying it's great to a customer and expecting a transaction. It doesn't work like that. And that's where we get ourselves in a bit of a kerfuffle. So following a proper process with the understanding of emotion and logic puts you in really good stead for sales. When I think about sales in the broad world of technology and healthcare, there are a few different buckets that I could put it into in terms of the people that are doing it from software sales, where you've got your person making calls within an office, doing SDR type activity to generate leads and then doing demos and stuff like that. There's the founder who's the technical person or the clinical person who's created a solution and is out there with the pitch deck doing the selling themselves and selling the dream. But then there's this cohort of salespeople who, and don't get me wrong, I know loads of really good and genuine salespeople who are in the pharma space and also in the device space. But I also know a lot of them that they almost give a bad name for the sense of like a a pharma rep or a device rep. And from back in the days of working in a GP clinic, there's a process for dealing with salespeople because it's almost like, 
they're seen as this kind of pest that you need to swat away, right? So thinking about those different perspectives from when you're doing the selling, are there things that you should be trying to avoid so that you're not seen as one of those pesky device salespeople or pesky kind of farmer reps? <laughs> the mosquito. <laughs> Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what kind of sales you're in. It all comes down to is a couple of things. What a salesperson needs to understand is people buy from people. People, especially in our industry, would actually prefer to purchase something from a salesperson that has connected with them, communicates on the same level, is there to provide support, they're encouraging a business relationship, but the technical specs of the product mightn't be as great. Still, great, still good, obviously, but not as great as something else where that salesperson really doesn't care less, just wants to create a sale, wants to fill out their spreadsheet and this customer is technically a statistic. So what the common denominator here is, is that communication. I believe, and this is over 20 years of experience in this industry, that once you understand your customer, you understand how they want to be spoken to, what they need, how they want to be interacted with, that then builds a solid foundation for good selling. And the sales part and the messaging and then the negotiating and the closing, which the standard or part of the standard process of sales, that should just flow naturally. It shouldn't be, okay, number one, I prospect, tick that off. Then I do a presentation, tick that off. And then I need to handle objections, tick that off. It doesn't work like that. And that's where people get themselves in a mess where they are taught these sales processes that are so disciplined that don't actually create any pathway for empathy or emotion and no one wants to hear that so it really is important to develop a relationship and those farmer sales reps that are excellent at what they do that is exactly what they do when they step into a GP or medical center they have built a rapport they have built a relationship and they're not a pesky mosquito those that are just after the numbers, the dollars and the sale, there is a total disconnect. And this is just not farm, this is every industry. And that's when they're seen as a pest. Yeah. You spoke about building rapport and relationships and engagement. And one thing that we've all struggled with over the past 18 months is trying to do that in front of a computer or on Zoom or a virtual thing. And you talked about helping companies with virtual selling before. Is it possible to continue to be successful as a salesperson in like a wholly virtual capacity? A hundred percent. But it is slightly different and it is relationship-based selling. I'm actually in the process of building a module on virtual selling because we are in an environment that's pretty tricky. What we also need to understand is this virtual word this V word, we've actually been virtually selling for a long time. I've had global customers for a long time. I don't, every time I want to close a sale or organize a deal or negotiate, I don't hop on a plane and, and jump to London. <laughs> I, as much as I would love to hop on a plane right now, yeah, and then go overseas and tack on a couple of days here and there, you just don't. You actually do sell virtually. But the problem is, is we're constantly now selling virtually and that's what's making it difficult. So what we need to do is try and mimic that behavioral connection. So say you and I, Pete, were at a coffee shop and I was selling you something. We sat down, we're in a relaxed environment. We talked about certain things. I would look at your gestures, your behavior, the patterns of your behavior. 
the transfer of your weight, the way you were looking at me, the response to what I was saying and what I was showing, if I was giving you a presentation, even if it's on a coffee shop in a boardroom or a meeting room. And I'd be very sensitive or hypersensitive to those subliminal cues. Now, that's what's really important with relationship selling. And these are the things that we need to keep our eyes open for when we're on the screen. So it's important to engage. It's important to sit up straight and not slump because I know it's something minor, but slumping over a computer shows that you're not interested, that it's a little bit of a bother. It's hard work. You don't want the customer to see that they are dragging something out and causing grief for you. So you need to be upbeat look directly into the camera. Now, I know that's hard for a lot of people because right now, I'll give you an example. I'm actually not looking at you because you're on the screen and a little bit low to the camera, but I want you to look directly at me. So for me to do that, I've got to look into the camera, not actually look at the picture of you on the screen as much as I'd love to do that. I'm not because I want to have that connection. And that's something that is really tricky to learn, but is learnable. You know, there's no problem at all. And I teach that. So trying to mimic those behaviors we have in a face-to-face environment virtually. And that's really important. And once you establish that and you get that confidence and you're able to almost look in your peripheral vision of what's going on around you in terms of gestures and some liberal cues, that's when you start building that rapport. And virtual selling will come second nature. Love it. Some good actionable tips there. And there's plenty more that people could learn from you on that topic. And I'm sure many others as well. I mentioned before that you've got something called the periodic table of sales. I'm really keen to learn a bit more about what that's all about. Just like the periodic table of chemical elements, I have created a periodic table of sales. It doesn't have as many elements as the chemical elements. There's 21 sales and business elements. The shape of the periodic table is identical and it is actually grouped in those same groups of, you know, oxides, gases and metals and non-metals, but they are elements of business and sales. And basically all the elements create an equation and the equation is M plus S times C equals I squared. So that's mindset plus skill set times toolkit equals influence squared. And each of those elements build up the foundation of that equations. To break it down, the first group is the mindset. You need to be in the right frame of mind to sell. You need to be a sales optimist. You can't be sales pessimist. If you're a sales pessimist, it's not going to work out well for you. But there are sales pessimists out there, which they don't do that well, but they haven't been taught. The art of me management is actually what I call and in becoming an optimist. The accountability of being a salesperson, caring about yourself as a salesperson, what you're selling and caring about your customer, the competitive advantage. So are you competitive, but in a professional way? I've seen a lot of companies talk about their competitors. You always talk about the features and benefits of your own product rather than put another product down. Now, that's sales one-on-one, but I'm blown away by the number of people that still go down that route of putting down another product. And that's just out of sheer desperation and not being taught the sales process properly. So understanding the, what you need for yourself as a salesperson's mindset. Then the S is your skill set. What skills do you need? 
What skills do you need to learn to improve? And this is where the self-process comes into it. So do I have the skill to prospect? Do I need to improve my skill to negotiate? What are my skills when it comes to closing? Am I a business generalist? These days when you're a salesperson, you have to have some general business skills. Can I engage in change management? Am I a leader? In Do I have that skill? And you look at your top five signature strengths, and that's where you can then build up those skills. The third group is T, which is your toolkit. That's putting everything into action. So your mindset and your skill set, using playbooks, scripts, using diagrams, mapping, forecasting, matrices, all these tools and resources to be able to execute the sales successfully. Once you have all those three components together working well, so that's the entire periodic table, that's when you can influence someone exponentially. It's nice to have that kind of structure and the approach and the step-by-step to it as well. So some really valuable insights there. Thinking about when you were talking about the generalist and more broadly then within a business about leaders and effective leaders in health tech, what do you think effective leaders need in our industry, particularly in this current climate? Yeah, the current climate, that's the key thing, isn't it, Pete? There are a couple of factors that any leader should have, but even more so now. There's certain attributes in general they should have, but I think leaders are being leaned on a little bit more now in this environment. So the first thing for me is reflection, reflecting on themselves, reflecting on what's working, reflecting on what's not working. As a leader, you're a role model and a mentor and a coach to a lot of people, even those that you don't realise that may be looking up to you and thinking, wow, I want to do what Pete's doing, that structure that he's doing, what he's putting together, that psychological safety that he's creating. You know, a lot of the times you don't even realize. So reflection is very important. Number two, I would say is resilience. Now, even more than ever, a leader needs to be resilient. Now, I'm not saying they need to be ruthless and have this suit of armor where the bullets just ricochet off like that. They're human too, but they need to be able to deal with complex situations, unfavorable situations, and provide a safety for the people that they're working with. So it's important they're resilient in business, resilient in their cells and their in the environment. The third one for me would be listening. So using your ears. Now, for me, I love talking. But as a leader, I use my ears and I listen. And even if you're asking questions, you still then need to listen to the answers. So listening to people and providing feedback is really important. The fourth, I would say, is thinking like you are a follower of a leader. So what would someone want you to do? What are they looking up to you for and understanding what the environment's like, what the requirements are, and then reflecting on that behavior and actually using those skills to show what you can do. And the fifth one is being authentic. If you're not authentic, as far as I'm concerned, you can't lead. You need to show humility. You need to be modest. You don't need to be right all the time. You don't need to know all the answers. You can say no. You can ask a question yourself. You can say, look, I actually don't know this. I'll find out. That shows phenomenal leadership and being your authentic self is absolutely, out of of those five, I reckon that's number one. 
I was going to reply with basically that last point in particular, I think resonates the most with me in terms of those effective leaders, even if you wanted to get one thing down first and then build on the rest, it would be start there. So that's great advice. I see as well, you've got a book that's available too. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So I've recently published a book. It's the Business Mastermind Workbook, Solving the Sales Equation. So it's the scientific approach to sales. And it talks about the periodic table of sales in a lot more detail, what we discussed. And it's broken down into four parts. The first part is preparation. So preparing yourself, your goals as a sales and business person, your mind mapping of sales, where you want to go, what you need to do, what you need to learn, what you've perfected. Also understanding the persona of your customers. Why are you selling to them? Why are you selling this product? What are the unrecognized needs? What are the recognized needs? What does a customer want? So that's your preparation. And then part two goes into the mindset. So every single element in the periodic table has its own chapter. There's nine elements in mindset and each chapter then has challenge exercises and action items for the person to do and complete to help them develop those skills and to learn how to create that positive mindset of a salesperson. If you don't have that positive mindset, you will not sell. It's impossible. Yeah, okay, you might sell one or two things as a fluke, sure, but that long-term sustainable selling, you need to have that mindset to be able to do that successfully. And then the third part is your skill set, so the behaviours and the learned items of what you need to develop, what you need to work on, and the eight elements within the periodic table is in the third section. And then the fourth section is your toolkit, and it's full of resources, full of tables, diagrams, maps, matrices, agendas, forecasting, prospecting tools that you can just, you know, get your head stuck into it and scribble and learn and develop yourself as a business and a salesperson. And when I wrote it, I mean, it's 20 years work, actually, Pete. It's really what I've done over the last 20 years that has been extremely successful for other businesses and clients. And when I researched other workbooks, so there's lots of sales books out there, there's lots of business books out there, but in terms of a workbook that's interactive and hands-on, there is barely anything. So I saw that gap and I believe there's a lot of tools out there saying, this is what you need to do, this is the best way, this is the way, these are the steps, but how do you put those steps into a process, into action, or how do you implement those steps? And that's what's lacking, and that's what this book is all about. Fantastic. We'll buy one or two copies of the book and give it away to THT Plus members, I think, on the next giveaway that we do. So, But also, we'll make sure that the link to the book is in the show notes of this episode for people that do want to check that out as well. Lastly, look, closing out the conversation, Liam, what are you working on over the next couple of months? What can we look forward to seeing from you? Yeah, there's, I don't stop, Pete. I, I mean, when I sleep, I don't stop. I'm always looking at improving and new things. And I'm very, as everyone says, you know, think outside the box. I'm always thinking of different things that will differentiate businesses, differentiate myself as well. So for me coming up, I'm building an academy. I currently do workshops. I do face-to-face workshops and online workshops, but I want them to be available as a part of an online academy. 
Mm. and do bespoke workshops, but the online academy will be standard workshops for anyone who wants to learn about this in depth. I'm specifically working on a module and a program for virtual selling. So as much as I love talking about it and love talking about it here, it's important that there is a process or a framework that people can follow and understand and perfect to create that virtual impact. And I'm going to actually write another book. But in the meantime, I'm writing a selection of ebooks on personality, artificial intelligence. So understanding communication for customers, understanding the different personas of customers, different personalities, archetypes. So there's a lot of archetypal work in there that I've studied heavily from the Jungian psychoanalytical work back in the 1800s of of certain archetypes and the psychology of sales and selling. And so there will be quite a few e-books based on different methods as well that will be available. Very cool. Look, I'll put the link to your website in the show notes of this episode for people to check out and keep up to date with what's going on, whether it's those eBooks or the courses and anything else that will be going on. Of course, you're in the THT Plus community as well for others to connect with you who are part of the community. So look, Leanne, I really appreciate you making the time. Good luck with everything coming up in the future as well. Thank you. Please been great being on the show and it's awesome and have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.